Hey everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. So we are talking about without a paddle, what would it look like without a paddle? And so the idea of that is really basic is that when oftentimes we get go through and try to navigate through this life, it's easy for without something to put our handles on. It's easy for us to sort of drift away, and, and if, we're not, if we're not having our handles on some sort of paddle to be able to navigate through the, the treacherous waters that we navigate through this life, we will do that. We will eventually drift away. And so we looked at things, physical laws, that, that are just true. They, they, they work the way that they work, and there's nothing that uh, we can do about them. We looked at some physical laws uh, you know, last week, if you were with us or watching, we we looked at you know gravity. It just it just works. It just that's just the way that it it works. The reason why we're not floating around uh, is because of of this law of gravity, the law of motion. You know, and uh, just like Chris, when he pushed the canoe over, when he pushed the TV over, it it would remain you know stagnant or it would remain you know we're in its place without some sort of force that was pushing on it. That's the how the laws of motion work. We looked at thermodynamics, you know, um, and how heat works. And if you leave a cup of ice sitting out, um, that, that ice is eventually get up melt because of how the laws of thermodynamics work. Aerodynamics, you fly in an airplane, um, it, and it defies those some, some of the laws of, of gravity uh, because of certain laws of aerodynamics. And we looked at some, some of those different physical laws, and we, we pulled for some things, some thoughts uh, around those things, that are also true spiritually as well. So there's physical laws that are just the way that they work, and then there's spiritual laws, and those are just, they, they, they just work a certain way. And so we said, we said one thing we said is this, is that opinion cannot overrule a law. Opinion cannot overrule a law. Just because you believe that you can float, just because you think that you can fly doesn't mean that that's true because of how the laws of gravity work. So your opinion or your belief cannot overrule a law. So whatever you think is right or whatever you think is true, whatever you think is real, if it, if it doesn't match up with the truth of God, the spiritual truth of God, then it doesn't work. It won't work. And so opinion cannot overrule law. And then we also said that one law can override another law. One law can override another law. I remember um, a number of years ago, I was late getting my son to school. And so I uh, was driving as, as fast as I could. Um, yeah, I'm admitting uh, to, to driving as fast as I could to get my son to school on time because it gave him, you know, con- some concern and anxiety that, you know, that he walking in late. And so I'm driving and sure enough, I, I hear some sirens go off as I'm driving my son to school and, and uh, I get pulled over and he pulls me over and uh, he walks up to my window and he looks at me. And he, and, I, and he asked for my driver's license, and he looks at my driver's license, and he said, Pastor Chris? I said, yes, sir. He goes, slow down. Have a good day. Thank you. I will. <laughs> Sometimes one law can overrule another law. Like, I was like, he's, I, I don't know, spiritual laws sometimes overrule physical laws, that's the practical application there. It's like, good thing I was a pastor that in that moment. 
And uh, so one law can override another law sometimes. But opposition, then the third thing is this, is opposition is the reaction with every action. So here's what you need to know. With every action, there's an equal or opposite and opposite reaction, right? And so you need to know that there's going to be opposition for every action, when it, especially when it comes to spiritual things. There's going to be opposition. And so we don't want to have the kind of faith that just is like, you know, where we just sort of like are, are, are hold it and we just sort of set it down. And it's just, it's just sort of like this, 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 you know, canoe here that is just sort of in place. And so we, we need to know that with every, every reaction or every action, there's going to be opposition that is going to come our way. And you know that there's some things that you don't see that often work. And even though you don't see, you know that they work because you see them work for you. For, for example, Wi-Fi. I don't know, maybe there's some you know, techie people in this room can, that, that can explain to all of us how Wi-Fi works. But we don't see how Wi-Fi works. We just know that Wi-Fi works. Why? Because somehow or another, some teenager helped you connect your phone, you know, to the Wi-Fi, and then it just automatically connects, right? Any issue that I have with my tech, I go and see my 12-year-old and my 13-year-old and my 15-year-old. So they all know how that works. So there's some things that we just don't see that they work, but we know that they work. Why? Because they work for us, right? This is also true for, you know, electricity. I don't know how necessarily electricity works. There's smarter people than I am that understand how electricity works, but I know that it works even though I don't see how it works. I know that when I plug something in, it works. It works. And if it doesn't work, I go and call somebody that knows why it doesn't work. But we know that there's some things that that work. There's some things that we don't see that work for us because we see them work for us even though we don't see. Like air, right? Air is a, the best example of, of this, right? Oxygen. We don't see oxygen. We don't see air. And it just, we know that it exists because we, we can feel it sometimes, right? And we breathe it in. We can breathe. And even though it, it, we don't see it. As a matter of fact, Jesus talked about wind in that way. He says, look what Jesus said in, in John. He says, and the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it's coming from and where it's going. It's like you know the wind is there. You can kind of feel it. You can hear, oh, sometimes you can hear the sound of it blowing within the trees or whatever the case is. But you don't know where it's coming from and where it is going. So, so is everyone who has been born of the, of the Spirit. It's, he's compare, comparing some things that spiritually that work for us, even though we don't see those things work for us. Just like he says the wind and the air and oxygen work for us, even though we don't understand how they work for us, but we don't see them, but we know that they do. We know that they do because we experience it. And this is true for us spiritually. There's some things that we just don't see and how they're going to work and how this is going to work. But just because we don't see it doesn't mean that you can't experience how it can work for you. And Jesus, or excuse me, the Apostle Paul said it this way. He, he says in, in Romans, he says, Where then is boasting? It has been excluded. By what kind of law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. By works? No, but by the law of faith. So faith is sort of a, like a physical law. There's, there's a spiritual law, and, and what, described as the, what he, Paul describes as the law of, of faith. 
the law of faith. So faith works a certain way. There's a, there's a, there's a method that, that, that makes faith work. Even though faith seems like this unseen entity, it, it, can, it can be seen and, and, and it, it can be experienced. James, the brother of Jesus, who didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God and, and resented probably the fact that Jesus and the claims that Jesus made as they were growing up as, as kids, James became, ultimately became and, and called his brother Lord. And the reason was is because he saw his brother die and then he saw his brother resurrect and, and what would it take for your brother to call you Lord? It would take them dying and then them resurrecting. And so James now, be after seeing Jesus resurrect from the, from the grave, James writes about what faith is. And James says, what, what use is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can this faith save him? And he goes on to say in verse 18, he says, but someone may well say, you, are, you have faith and I have works. He says, show me your faith without the works and I will show you my faith by my works. And so what he's describing is, is he's describing what faith, how faith is activated. And, and this is so important, he's describing how you can see the faithfulness of God in your life. It's not just saying, I have faith. It's not just saying, I have faith. It, James is saying it's by showing it. It's by showing it. People need to be able to see your faith in you. If they don't, it's like we're like this. We're just like somebody that's in this canoe here. Please don't tip over. I have canoe tip over anxiety since the last week's story. It's like all we do is just, if we say we have faith, we're just like, I have faith. Uh, and we just, we're just sitting in this canoe. And I don't know about you if you've never been canoeing before, but I, I don't think canoeing is all that fun if we're just sitting in a canoe and letting the, the, the water just allow us to float around. And so James is saying, you need to have the kind of faith that works. You need to have the kind of faith that works. You see, faith like this, faith where you, you can navigate through life, this is the kind of faith that makes life worth living. This is the, this is the kind of faith. It's not just, you know, I'm going to just sit in my, my boat. I'm, I, I believe in Jesus. I know Jesus. You know, Jesus is my Lord, and I'm going to just, you know, let people know. I'm just going to, yeah, I, I'm a Christian. Yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. I, I go to church. Yeah, I'm, you know, I, I pray, you know, over my, my meals. You know, I'm, I'm, it, it's a, okay, that's great. You can, it's easy to talk about, but, but James is going like, show me. Show me. Show me how your, your faith, show me that you have actual faith in Jesus. Show me that you're a follower of Jesus. Like, show me by, by your actions. 
Show me by your actions. That's what real faith looks like. And that's what activates the faithfulness of God. The law of action, as a matter of fact, the law of action, if we can put that up on the screen, the law of action says you must do the thing and perform the actions necessary to achieve what you're setting out to do. If you want to see the faithfulness of God, you can't just sit in the boat. You can't just sit in the boat. If we just sit in the boat, you know what's going to happen to our faith? Our faith is just going to drift away. And you know what's going to happen to you and your faith? Your, your, your faith, you're going to lose your way. You're going to lose your way. And eventually when the waters start to get rocky and the tree limbs are, are down and you don't have, you know, something to get a handle on it with, if you don't have something to get a handle on it with, you know what's going to happen? You're going you're gonna to go, I'm out of here. You're going to abandon ship. You're going to jump out of the boat and you're going to say, I'm done with this thing called faith in Jesus. And, and you need to know something. You need to know something. There's going to be always going to be opposition. And the enemy's always going to want you to get you to abandon the ship. He's going to want you to jump out of the boat. If you haven't already floated away too far anyway. The law of action. Faith that works. Is faith that works. I just blew your mind on that statement right there, didn't I? You must do the thing and perform the action necessary to achieve what you are setting out to do. And it requires the kind of faith that makes life worth living. The kind of faith that makes us want to continue to follow Jesus is the kind of faith that has some action to it. Some action to it. So another example of this is I carefully get out of this canoe. Another example of this is um, a couple months ago, um, as you were starting to come back in person, and I was starting to see, we were starting to see people, see each other, um, I heard some comments, I'm, I'm a person, I have feelings, I'm a human being, uh, I heard some comments of things like, you know, you look a lot bigger on camera. than you do in person. I think they were trying to be nice. And I was like, yeah, you know, you know how they say, you know, camera adds 10 pounds. But really I knew that I, not only does a camera add, add 10 pounds, but COVID added about 10 to 15 pounds. You know what I'm talking about, right? And so I decided I needed to lose some weight. I needed to lose some weight. I, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to set it out. I'm going to lose 20 pounds. I'm going to lose 20 pounds. That's what I was going to try to do. And so I did some things that I knew would help me and motivate me to lose the 20 pounds. One of the first things that I did was I told my wife, we're going to go on a vacation, just you and I together. And we decided that we we're going to go to the Florida Keys. I figured that would be one good start of motivation. I would, there would be an end goal, an end date to achieve this. I had about 10 weeks to do it. I got 10 weeks to do it. So I was like, okay, that's a good start. That's good motivation, right? Go on, on, on a vacation uh, to the Florida Keys with my wife. That's a good motivation to lose 20 pounds. 
The other thing I did, I did was, okay, I, if I'm going to work out, if I'm going to lose 20 pounds, I needed to get good shoes. So I bought what's called Adidas Ultra Boost. Oh, boy, these are just as cool as you, they sound, right? And I bought some Ultra Boost, and I bought, you know, some workout clothes, and we already were subscribed to Beachbody On Demand, so I was already subscribed to that, that I, I had to look up, I had to, you know, look up my password, because uh, it's been, it, it, was, it was a while, you know, you have ever been like, what is the password to this? Like, because it's been too long since you put in the password, you know, I think I had to change the password, because I could, just couldn't remember it, so we already, already had that, you know, and, and I said, you know what, I'm going to really get, have some something that's going to motivate me. I'm going to get myself an Apple Watch. Huh? Huh? Have you guys seen my Apple Watch? I think the first week that I got it, everybody was like, so you got a new watch, huh? Because I kept looking at, the, at my watch, you know? And uh, so I got my Apple Watch, you know? And so I got like workout clothes. I got new shoes. I got my watch. I got my subscription. I got my vacation planned. I had all the things that I needed in order for me to lose the weight, except for the one thing I actually needed to apply it. I actually had, I had everything that I needed, everything that I needed in order for me to achieve my goal, except for the one thing that was, is the hardest for all of us, and that is to put it to action. I had to put it to action. I had to actually run in my shoes and in my new clothes. I had to actually use those workouts on Beachbody On Demand. I had to actually try to make sure that I closed all of my goal rings. Uh, the Apple Watch has these goal rings, move ring, you know what they call exercise ring, stand ring. So there's these three rings that help you close and reach your goal. So I set my goals really high in order for, for me to achieve that goal. Ten weeks. And for ten weeks, I took what I had and I applied it. And I worked it. And on the morning we left, I'll tell you this, the, the, the way in, the first way in was I was 211 pounds. Remember, Carol, I was telling you, I was telling you as I was shoveling your driveway, just trying to burn calories. I was 211 pounds. And the morning we left for Florida, I was 188. I did it. Give me a round of applause. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're a mess. Uh, I'm a mess. I'm proud of, I, I, you know, it, that's how, but that's, it has to work that way. Like, we can have all, when it comes to faith, we, God has given us all the resources that we need. God has given us everything that we need, but we got to use that and take action with what God has given us to do, what God has given us to do. Hebrew writer, we don't know who it is, he, she, who we have no idea. Hebrew writer wrote, wrote it this way, and here's the way that he, she writes it. He says, but remember the former days when after being enlightened, you endured great conflict of sufferings. So they, uh, being enlightened means that they 
they accepted Jesus as their, as their Lord and Savior. They, they put their belief and their faith and their trust in, in the hands of Jesus. They were enlightened. It says, you endured a great conflict of sufferings. And then look, he goes, says this. He says, partly by being made a public spectacle through insults and distress and and, and partly by becoming companions with those who were so treated. And so he's just describing the treatment of Christians back at the time of the early church when the church was going. He says, man, they were made as a public spectacle by insults and distress and, and partly by just partnering up and becoming companions with people that were treated in that same way. He says, man, you, you really endured through that. And then he goes on to say this. Look, look at us. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners, so the, there was even people, Christians, that were arrested for what they believed. They were prisoners. He says, and, look what he says, and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property. Like, he was, they, they, they were getting their stuff taken. Like, people were coming in, and they were, they were you know, taking and, 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 you know, taking their stuff. And they were like, they, they, they accepted it joyfully. They, they're here. Yeah, I don't. There you, I don't, fine, if you want to take my stuff, you can have my stuff. Why would they, how would they have that, that mindset? Like, for American Christians are like, ah, this is my stuff. And American Christians are like, this is my rights. And you know, American Christians are like, these are my freedoms. And American Christians are like, this is my possessions. This is my property. No government is going to come in and take my stuff. And they accepted joyfully the seizure of their properties. Why? Why? Look what he says. He says this. Knowing that you have for yourselves a better and lasting possession. Hello. Hello, American church. Hello. Who cares about your stuff, your possessions, the thing, I know, oh, my rights, my freedoms, this and that. You have a better and lasting possession. He says, so therefore, verse 35, he says, so therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward to it. Like, don't because you don't like the way the things are going, you don't like the what you see, you don't like the trends that they're moving in, you don't like how, you know, people are moving in, and, you know, on, on your things and, and maybe getting to a point where they start, you know, confiscating your stuff, whatever the case is. I don't know. But listen, don't throw away your confidence. When that happens, he's, look what he says, verse 36. He says, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was, what was promised. He says, verse 37, he says, for yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and, and will not delay. Like, he's the one that's going to avenge. Like, he's the one that's going to make things that are wrong right. He, not you. That's not your job. It's not my job to avenge. It's not my job to, you know, to make sure that none of our property gets taken. It's, 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 he's going to be the one that's going to make it right. Why? Because your mindset and our mindset is, is like our our possessions are not here. I'm not, my treasure is not here. My, you know, my value, my identity is not here. It is in there. It's a lasting place. It's an eternal place. He says, in a little while, he'll come and he will not delay. But look what he says. But my righteous ones, they're going to, Live by faith. 
But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. He says, come on. The ones that I'm looking for, I'm looking for the ones that are willing to get in the boat, but not just get in the boat and let it float you around. But I'm looking for the ones that are going to live this thing out. And whatever comes our way, whatever obstacle, whatever challenge, whatever uncertainty comes our way, we're still going to live out our faith knowing that we're not living for the here and the now. We're living for something that is lasting and eternal. And so this is the kind of faith that God is looking for. And any of us shrinks back into thinking that, you know, faith is, is, is just about how much we attend church or, or faith is about, you know, pray, a little bit of prayer here and there or faith is, is just about knowing a few scripture verses. You know, faith, you know, all those things are good things. All those things are positive things. But if we're not taking what we have, what God has equipped us with, and we're not applying that to our life, that's, uh, James would say, that's dead faith. That's dead faith. Too many Christians want to just sit in the boat and float around because it's safer that way or it's more comfortable that way. It's easier that way. I don't want to oar. I don't want to work. I don't want to put any action to it because it's gonna, they're going to expect too much of me. I'm going to get too exhausted. I've got all these other things in my life that are going on, and I don't have time and energy for that. But God is saying, through the Hebrew writer, my righteous ones, they're, they're going to live by faith, and I'm going to take pleasure in them. But those that shrink back their faith and just are just sort of floating around kind of faith, God's like, I'm not delighted in that. I'm not delighted in that. The next verse goes into chapter 11, and you know what chapter Hebrews 11 is about. Now, faith is the certainty of things hoped for and a proof of things not seen. Faith is the certainty, the certainty of the promises of God that we're, we're hoping in. It's the certainty of that. And when you live out, listen, listen, when you live out your faith, when your faith is actionable, your certainty of the things that you hope for will only rise up. The certainty of the things that you hope for will only become more real to you. But if you and I are just floating around in our boat, doing nothing, the certainties of the things that we hope for will eventually dissipate. They'll eventually fade away, and we won't have so much hope anymore. What activates that kind of faith and that kind of certainty is faith in action. And you prove, this is huge, you and I prove the things not seen. And so when people look at our life, people that have, act, when we act out in faith, people that look at our life, they, they're going to go, wow, I see proof that that works. Just like Wi-Fi, just like electricity, and just like air or oxygen. It, we don't see it, but when we see it and experience it for us, that's proof that it works. Are you with me, church? 
faith is the certainty, and you it's action faith, according to James. And it's the proof to others that are watching your faith. Not because you say you go to church at Market Street Church. Not because you say you can quote a few scripture verses. Because you're living this out in a practical way to your neighbors, to your coworkers, to your family members, to whoever it is that you come across in this life, that you're not just saying you have faith, you're showing people you have faith. And when they see real faith, authentic faith in you and I, that's proof of things not seen because they've experienced it for themselves. He says, for by it, he goes in, for by it, the people of old gained approval. For by it, the people of old gained approval. So he's referencing, he's getting ready, and you know the hall of faith, however you want to describe it, or great men and women of faith, however you want to define it. But biblical faith looks like this. Here's what biblical faith looks like, according to Hebrews 11. The certainty, it's the certainty of God's promises and the confidence to follow Jesus in spite of the consequences. It's the certainty. You can be certain of the things hoped for and you can have confidence to follow Jesus in spite of the consequences or in spite of the circumstances that you deal with. And he gives us some examples. And I just want to give you a couple examples. He says, by faith, Hebrew, by faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of household by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. He says, listen, he can't, God comes to, comes to Noah. You know this. You, we have a bunch of churchy people in the room, right? Maybe somebody you're going to share that with somebody that isn't unchurched. And so you know this. God came to Noah and says, Noah, you know, I'm going to flood the earth. I'm going to flood the earth. And we don't even think at this time that they even seen rainfall before. And so God gives Noah these instructions to build this ark, to build this big boat. And Noah's going, what do you want me to build? What's going to happen? Like, you're telling me water from the heavens are going to come down onto the earth and it's going to fill the earth to the point where you're going to have me build this thing called an ark that's going to float? Well, like, how does that going to work? Well, God could have been like, you know, I mean, uh, you know, a few thousand years from now, I'm going to have this mathematician named Archimedes who is going to un- help us understand the law of buoyancy. And the law of buoyancy says when the weight of an object being placed in the water is less than the weight of the water as it places, the object will flow. God didn't have time to get into all that with Noah. All Noah didn't even ask, how is this going to flow? Even though he could, that would have been a good question to ask. You're telling me that water is going to flood the earth. I'm going to build this huge, massive vessel, and this thing is going to work. And God's going, yeah, because I already created the law of buoyancy. And I, you don't need to understand that yet. Yeah, you just need to know that just build the thing. It's going to rain, and you will float, and your, your family will be saved. That's all you need to know. And you know what Noah did was, okay, I'll do it. So many questions. But Noah said, I'll do it. 
I'll do it. God gives them the instructions. And I don't know, I, you know, the, the best example is, and, and I would encourage you to go and see it if you haven't already, but they, they built, um, they built a, a, a replica of the ark in Kentucky. Uh, and so my family took a trip a couple summers ago. We went to go see the ark in Kentucky. And we, and you get off of that exit and man, you can't miss it. That thing is ginormous. And it's two scale and the way that it was done was amazing. It was so, God thought through every single detail and gave those instructions to Noah. And Noah followed those, those by the T. But man, this thing was massive. You know what I think that picture was? That picture is? I think that that is a picture of Noah's kind of faith. But it didn't take Noah overnight to build that big massive ark as a picture of his faith. You know what it took? It took Noah, and it took his sons, and it took his family one board at a time, one nail at a time, one string of, of vine or rope at a time. It just took one day, one thing, one day at a time. Small, small deposits over time accumulate. And so just like faith, it just takes one small action every single day to build the kind of faith that this is the size of the ark. The ark is a picture of Noah's faith, and it started with just a board and putting those boards together and nailing those boards together. It just starts small, and eventually your faith will be massive. You see, that's the kind of faith that Noah had. Noah had all the materials. And Noah could have said, God, I do. I believe that it's going to rain. I, be, I believe that you're going to flood it. But man, God, look at all these boards. Look at all these boards. God, are you kidding me? Like my sons, man, they have no work ethic whatsoever. I mean, they're just lazy. You know, are you kidding me? You're only giving me a certain amount of time to be able to accomplish this task, this goal. And, and yet, Noah's, instead, Noah could have been like, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's too big. It's too much. It's too, takes, it takes too much effort, too much work. I can't do it. But instead, Noah goes, it's just one board at a time. One board at a time. It's the small deposits, small things to begin to build our faith. But it requires you to pick up a hammer in Noah's case. It requires you to start picking up the materials that God has given you and to use those things in your life. Eventually, sooner than you think, you're going to have big faith that will withstand any flood that comes your way. And when the floodwaters come, your faith is so big that you're able to withstand the weight of all that water and float your way through it as an analogy of Noah's Ark. Everybody else, anybody else, if all they had was a canoe, trouble trouble. Let's have big faith. Big faith. The kind of faith that Noah had. It didn't start big. It didn't start big. It just started with a small thing. 
And he built it over time. Over time. Another example is, by faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. So here's Sarah, old age, Abraham, old age. God says, listen, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And Sarah, God gave her the ability to conceive even beyond the proper time. Even beyond the time where she should have, you know, had, had children. And yet she, she had the kind of faith that said, okay, if God, you say it, if you're promising it, I know that you're faithful to it. And I'm going to do whatever it takes. And she conceived. Why? Because she considered him faithful who had promised. And anytime you think it's too late for you, anytime you think that God isn't, you know, God is done with you or God's putting you on a shelf or, or, or you know, God can't use you or, you know, your, your past is too checkered. Listen, you need to know something, that God can use anything, anything, and at any time. And oftentimes the hardest thing about faith is waiting. Sarah and Abraham, oh, they, did, they just were waiting, 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 waiting until finally God showed up and did something impactful. But listen, the hardest part about keeping our faith is in that waiting period where we're wondering, is he going to come through? Is he going to provide? Is he going to meet this need? Is he going to rescue? Is he going to salvage this? Oftentimes, our faith is tested in those moments of waiting, waiting, waiting. And she knew if God said it, it must be true. And he keeps his promises, and he's faithful to that. The next chapter he goes into, he says, Therefore, since we have also such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let's rid ourselves of every obstacle, the sin which so easily entangles us, and let's run with endurance the race that is set before us. He says, goes on to say this in verse 2. He says, Looking only at Jesus, the originator and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And I love this because look what he's saying. He's saying, look at, look at, he's saying, look at Jesus. He's our originator of our faith. He's the perfecter of faith. If, if anybody demonstrated faith, it was Jesus. If anybody showed faith, it was Jesus. He doesn't just talk about it. He did it. He demonstrated it. He says, he's our example. He's our perfecter. And who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Even while he was showing us the greatest example of faith in action by enduring the cross, he had a joy about him. Knowing, what was the joy? The joy was knowing that it was coming to the end. He was coming to the end of running his race. And at the coming to the end, that he was going to find himself at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen, church, this is so important for all of us. Keep running the race of faith. Because you're, it's in, in little while, in a short amount of time, you're going to find yourself at the right hand of God. You're going to find yourself in the presence of God. You're going to find yourself that as you ran this race of endurance in this life, that one day you're going to come into a place where you're not going to be tired anymore. You're not going to be fatigued anymore. You're not going to need rest anymore. You're not going to sweat anymore. You're, you're not going to 
thirst anymore. You're going to just come into the presence of God. But right now, run the race of faith. Run the race of faith. He says, for consider him who has endured so much hostility by sinners against himself so that you, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Listen, you know what the church needs? You know what Market Street Church needs? You know what the global church needs? Especially in this day and age, right now, in this culture, in this climate, we need some endurance. We need some endurance. We need some endurance. Let's not put the oars down and float around in our boats. Well, I'm in the boat of faith of Jesus. I believe in Jesus. Let's pick the oars back up. Let's pick the paddle back up again. And let's start showing that our faith is actionable. It's not just this untangible thing, that it can be tangible for everybody. And when people see it, it's proof of things not seen. We need to have some endurance. That is the common thread beginning from Hebrews 10 all the way through Hebrews 12 that we see. And all in Hebrews 11 with all the heroes of faith, you know what they all exhibited? The one common denominator of men and women that they all exhibited? They all exhibited endurance. Endurance. Keep running. Keep running. Don't stop. You've walked long enough. Keep running. And it looks like, it looks like eyes on Jesus. It looks like eyes on Jesus. Why? Because he's our originator and he's our perfecter of this. So keep your eyes on Jesus. Not me, not some other spiritual influence in your life, but keep your eyes on Jesus and endure like Jesus. Endure like Jesus. Look at the past winners. Look at the past winners. Why? Because winning produces joy. Come on, we've won some things. Makes us happy. So he said, he reminded us, look at past winners. Look at, look at people like Abraham and Moses and Noah and Sarah and Esther and all these past winners. Look at these past winners. Why? Because winning produces joy. Look at the potential weights. He tells us to lay aside, put aside, lay down all the weights, the obstacles that will prevent us from running. So look at all the potential weights. Sinning prohibits joy. And he says, look at the perfect way. Look at the perfect way. Because running precedes joy. You ever do an exercise or a workout or go for a run? You know when you're, you know when you're the happiest? After you finished it. At the start of it, you're going, oh, I don't want to do this. You can think of every which way to justify it. But when you're done with it, aren't you so glad that you did it? That's faith. 
Faith is saying, oh, I've got, I don't know if I have time for this. I don't know if I could have, you know, can work this in. I don't know if serving on a team is, works for me. Or I don't know if being a part of a community group works for me. Or I don't know if I have the financial means to give generously or, or whatever the case. I don't know if I have time to stop and have a conversation with somebody at the grocery store and to let them know that, that, that I have a hope, that my hope is placed in something that, that different than maybe what their hope is placed in. And that maybe they can see my hope that I have in Jesus and knowing that I don't live for this world. I'm not living for these things in this life. I'm living for something bigger than that. I'm living for something more lasting than that. I'm living for something that is forever, not something that is temporary. Keep running. And I know it's not easy, but when you're done, when you finish the race, you'll be glad you did it. You'll be glad you did it. You will. Faith, it doesn't work. It doesn't work unless you work it. Say you're a Christian, Jesus follower, sing a few songs, throw a tip in the tip jar. But faith alone is dead. And James and Jesus and Paul and Peter and all the Hebrews 11 people, their faith was action. Action. And when it comes to action, it's going to require some endurance. Endurance. And you know what James said? about it as we close consider it all joy my brothers and sisters when you encounter various trials at this point this is when you want to slap james but then he says this verse three knowing that why james why should we consider it all joy when we go through various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let, look what he says, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you, so that you, so that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. You know what he means by that? You will become just like Jesus. And when people see Jesus in you, by your character, because you've let various trials in your faith produce endurance, and that endurance has produced character that is Jesus-like. That is proof that you believe in something that no one can see, but they experienced it in you. They experienced it in you. Let's pray. Father, as we navigate through things in the scripture of what helps us please you, work for us, we look at, we begin to look at the basic, the basic of our relationship with you, and that's faith. That's faith. 
I just pray, Lord, that we're just not like any other American Christian that it's easy just to talk about faith, but to demonstrate it and to show it and it for it to be actionable, that takes some endurance that many aren't, aren't willing to do. They don't have time to do it. They've muddied up the schedules of other things that take priority and precedent in this life. But I just pray, God, that we create that space and we begin just like Noah, just one board at a time. One nail at a time. That you've given us all the resources that we need to help us. We just got to now apply it. We just got to now live this out. And you're looking for righteous ones that live their faith out, not just talk about it. Help us to be those kind of people. Help Market Street Church to be that kind of people of faith where that's actionable. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.